Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. How you doing? I'm Adam Catterall. This is the Fight Night podcast from TalkSport, available on iTunes, also available on the TalkSport website if you need an Android feed. Make sure you get all over it. We've got an action-packed one for you tonight as we build up towards our live and exclusive commentary of Wilder versus Fury 2 from Las Vegas, uh, which you can catch in the early hours of next Sunday morning, depending on when you're listening to this. That'll be the 22nd into the 23rd of February. I think we'll start by listening to Deontay Wilder, shall we? Gareth A. Davis has been over to Alabama. baddest man on the planet but don't get no better than me your time may come but this is not your time you may think it's your time you may feel like it's your time but it's not your time Tyson this is my time Definitely and it will not. forever be my time until I retire this is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, uh, Spencer Oliver alongside me. Uh, my normal partner in crime, uh, Gareth A. Davis, is out in uh, America. He's currently in California. We'll speak to him later on about that. Uh, but this week he has been in Alabama. He went to go and visit the Bronze Bomber in camp. And this is what it sounded like when he caught up with him. Thank you very much for having us into your camp just days before you head to Las Vegas for a monumental fight week that the world is fascinated by. I want to break the news to you and for listeners as well, first of all, that um, TalkSport will be exclusively broadcasting on radio uh, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury 2 from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas for your WBC Heavyweight Champion of the, Championship of the World. Um, it's going to be great calling the fight on you. Oh, man, y'all got paid vacation and suite? Oh, that's, that's amazing. You know, uh, I mean, this is the biggest heavyweight title fight in the world, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. You know, um, the first fight was such an amazing fight. It was thrilling. It was exciting. And with all that being said, it left us all with a controversial decision. And this is what makes this the second fight so exciting. So we can we can get a, get rid of those though everyone's opinions, and we finally get down to the bottom line. Well, what are talk sport listeners gonna hear on the night when that first bell rings? And still, WBC heavyweight champion of the world, Deontay the Bronze Bomber. You are in full voice tonight. I need some oxygen. <laughs> but you are clearly, I mean, you look 
your skin, your your look. You look in fantastic shape, Deontay. I mean, I'm, I, I, not only I look good, but I feel great as well. You know, uh, the preparation for this fight, everything I've been through. You know, just this quick turnaround has been has been uh, key as well. You know. Uh, I'm just happy. And then when you're happy and you your life is structured around peace, I don't have no drama. I don't have no stress in my life. And it took a long time to get to this point, but I can I can I can happily say that I I'm at peace. And I think it 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 plays a a big part, you know, in the fighter's life that he's a fighter, it's a happy fighter. He's a healthy fighter. And uh, he have a lot of peace around him because it's a, cause we have so much going on in our heads and we have to prepare for war. And when you have to prepare for war, I always said we're risking our lives for others' entertainment. And if you don't do it, you'll never know the severeness of what it feels like to get up inside that ring and like, I don't know if I'm getting out the same way I got in. So you have to have a mentality of a warrior and a, and a, a mindset of a king. To go in there and do your thing each and every time, and I do that. And come um, February 22nd at the MGM Grand on Fox Pay-Per-View, on ESPN Pay-Per-View, on, 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 on Talk Sport, you know, you guys calling the fight. It's going to be amazing. It's just amazing, man. So I'm, I'm thankful to be in these times of a heavyweight division. It was a point of time where it was uh, dead, and here we are now. Well alive, it's breathing like a like a like a dragon supposed to breathe. And February twenty second is gonna release his first. Wow, you clearly both respect each other. We've seen that when you've been together now. Um, I'm sure we'll have some fireworks next week. It's all part of the fun because you guys are getting very close to that moment where the bell rings. And again, we're all anticipating that. You talk about checkers. You talk about chess. You talk about strategy. There, you seem to be suggesting that it probably will look a little bit different this time around after 36 minutes the first time. <laughs> I promise you it'll be different. You know, everything, the whole, the, the whole scenery will be different. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I think it's going to be a, uh, a cautious fight at first just to get the rhythm of things or whatever. But I always said I'm, I'm starting where I left off at. You know, we know each other. This is this is the thing about it. We've been in there, like you said, and this is what makes the fight so intriguing, so interesting. You know that we've been in there. You see what we came to do. Two warriors in there with, with 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 the mindset that you're gonna damn have to damn near kill us. You know what I'm saying? And that's a term that fighters use to say that that um, it's gonna be a tough fight between the two. You know, if people can't you know break the the terms of what we use. You know, and um, and this is what it's all about. I'm glad to be in a, in a fight like this, in a, a moment in time like this, in the heavyweight division, and 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 to have Fury, you know, um, to come um, and be the opponent that we do it at this very moment in this very time. It was meant to happen, just like it's like it's happening. All things God don't make mistakes, you know. Uh, it was meant to happen this way, and may the best man win. Ben Davison's not in his corner this time, but I sat down with him last week and he came up with a brilliant term, I think, to describe what we've seen from you, particularly in the last year. And he calls it offense disguise. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. Like, it, it, I thought it was a brilliant way of, dis of, of describing what you do so cleverly, what you did so cleverly against Ortiz. I spoke to Jay about it earlier, hmm. how the punches you were throwing we're getting him to turn towards you to be able to use the right hand, right. yeah? Um, 
And are you aware that you do offense disguise, or is it something that's just developed, or have you and Jay been consistently working on it? Mm, I mean, that's a that's a nice nice way to you know it if, is, you're gonna, if, it? if you yeah. if you're gonna it's just like dressing a human up with different clothes. <laughs> you know, he's saying off, offensively disguised, mm. and I would just look at that as like you know calculating my opponent, building data, you know, building muscle memory, mm-hmm. and then once I learn that of you. I kind of understand what you want to do and when you want to do it. Even your body with with seeing language signs, what you want to do, you know, and and you know that's that's what I look at it as. Uh, um, being able to figure my opponent out, especially during um, between the rounds, you know, because sometimes we do some of the same things. We have a pattern, you know, and I try to decode all the patterns and 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 different things that I see up in there. You know, what's working. I'm keeping what's not working. I'm not keeping. If I put my feet on the outside of him, what happens? If I if it go like you know, so many different things. And then when you have a, a already have a fight that you fought, you can go back and replay it over and over and over again, and then come back around the second time. But I like I like the way that he dressed that up. Mm. You know, um, offensively disguised. You know, um, because I'm I'm definitely way much smarter than a lot of people give me what they think my intellect in the ring is very very high and long as people continue to put the message out that that i'm all about this and um just this one you know person that has power that's it then it benefits me because nobody know how to figure me out which they when even when they think they do i always come back with something different is the key to this second fight making those adjustments then Key to the second fight is making the appropriate adjustments that I didn't make in the first fight. You know, in the first fight, I did a lot of things that I don't normally do. You know, were you more wild than you normally? I was are. more wilder. My, uh, I had my 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 uh, bar guard up too high. I never come like this. I never do this. You know what I'm saying? I barely even close my eyes when I do that. And then when I look back, I was like, I was just wondering, like, why why would I doing that? I understood why I was doing it, but it's like, why are you why are you doing it? You know. Um, being that it was so intense, uh, I had my own date, and no one would know what it feels like to have your own date in America. It's just totally different when you have to compete against so many different sports, and you just have this one specific date for yourself. Everybody is focusing on you. All eyes is on you, and it's a star-studded event. You get this opportunity to say, I finally got everybody together. They're going to witness greatness. I got to get them a knockout. I gotta give him a knockout. So it was like I wanted to give him a knockout by any means, no matter if it was it came whether I was I was I was reckless or whether it came I just set him up. You know, I just wanted to end the fight with a with a knockout. And being to the fact I put him down twice, and you know the the rising up and the controversy that was behind it, it was amazing. Now here we are now. You know, everything has built up to this point in time. You know, even. The fights I had in between before getting here, all that led to here because it was devastating knockouts. And now the moment we've all been waiting for, the world's been waiting for, is so much buzz about this fight. And I'm just so happy that we can land it on Fox and ESPN, the two powerhouses, the biggest um, sports network here in America. And this has never been done before. The viewings and people... Uh, getting the, the words being out and the, the acknowledgement about the fight it's been crazy you know it's just been crazy it's just man this is huge and I'm looking forward to it and I'm so happy to be a part of it for a long time as you said the, the heavyweight was 
division was a slumbering division. We had Vladimir Klitschko, who, who was a great champion, mm -hmm. um, but didn't bring the same kind of excitement, level of excitement that there now is. Generally in America, during that, people remembered Floyd Mayweather, they remembered Mike Tyson. Do you feel getting a victory in this fight or a dramatic victory will give you a position where you will be recognized, probably rightly, in the, amongst those names by the generality of the American public? In other words, do you feel a bit underappreciated? Um, I've been unappreciated. I mean, this is what comes with the territory of being here in America. Mm. I mean, here in America, we're diverse. We're not a one nation, you know. We are a nation divided into many other nations that comes here to live. You know, when you go other places, you know, they're one nation. They're of one people. You know, you're of one kind, one countryman. <laughs> we of many. So, of course, you're going to get appreciated because of, because of that. Um, but uh, after this fight, because of the, the promotion and how many eyes have seen this promotion and it continues to go on, I've been seeing it. I'm tired of seeing it. I'm sick of it seeing it myself. Now nah, I'm just playing. I love seeing it. I love <laughs> seeing it over and over again. Oh, everywhere you go, everywhere walk, no matter what restaurant, bar, or barbershop you're in, you're seeing it playing. You got ESPN, Fox, and stuff. You're seeing it playing at gas stations, on planes. You know, <laughs> it's everywhere. And after this fight. You know, once I knock him out, I definitely will get the recognition that I so deserved, you know, years ago. But, you know, it's always the saying that it may not come when you want it, but when it comes, it's always on time. Give us a prediction. You must have had that dream. You must have had that visualization about what round you believe you're going to knock Tyson Fury out in. Well, I couldn't, you know, I'm going to tell you, just don't blink at all, period. But be careful in the third round. He said the second, but be careful about the third. But when I visualize and when I when I visualize the fight, and I look at it, I can never see the round up. I can never see the round, but I can see me since Mr. Fury liked WWE so much. I've seen myself. I've seen myself hitting him and knocking him out of the ring. You know. So uh, we'll see what happens. Deontay Wilder there speaking to Gareth A. Davis. We'll catch up with Gareth a little later on to get his thoughts on where Deontay is at psychologically as we head on towards Wilder Fury 2 next weekend. Uh, coming up next, you're going to hear from Tyson Fury, who talked to Adrian Durham on Drive this week on TalkSport. That's the WBC heavyweight champion. Time to check in with the challenger. Weird calling Tyson Fury a challenger. He seems like he's still the world champion. That's how he's talking anyway, as he was talking to Adrian Durham on Drive this week. I just felt most of the time like I didn't want to live anymore and I didn't want to be on this planet. I was very mentally unwell. I was drinking heavily. I didn't want to live on a daily basis and I was 28 stone in weight. There's Tyson Fury, the man, and then there's the Gypsy King, the entertainer. And it's totally two different people. He said, if one of you go down, God forbid, he said, I'll ask you to get up and move to the left, move to the right. He said, show me you're okay. I put both hands on his shoulders, looked in his eyes and said, I'm okay. I think it's over. Is he going to get up? Can he get up? He does. He said it was his destiny. And you begin to wonder. Heavyweight brilliance, heavyweight occasion, heavyweight radio. How about that? 
Uh, it's fight night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Cattrall. Spencer Oliver alongside me in the studio this evening. Uh, earlier this week, Tyson Fury was on drive with Adrian Durham and he was in top spirits. Good morning, good <laughs> afternoon or good evening, wherever it is in your part of the world. Brilliant. Nine, ten days to go. How are you feeling? I'm feeling on top of the world. Feeling absolutely fantastic. Training camp's gone amazing. Everything's fantastic. There's no better place I could ever be. I'm in the prime of my life and I'm ready to rock and roll. I mean, we still can't work out how you got up from that punch at the end. I mean, it's a, for me, it's a miracle, uh, something amazing. But he talks about, he's been talking about the power of his punch and, you know, your head is not meant to be hit, but when you get hit by Deontay Wilder, you feel it. How hard does he hit you? Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad at all. If it was that bad, I wouldn't have got up, would I? Round <laughs> Have you watched it back? Can it ain't you, can, so bad. Can you believe you got up? He's not what he believes he is. He believes he's some big knockout king and whatever, but he put me down twice in the fight. Both times I got back up and got back up and rattled him all over the ring. So, and obviously doesn't it that hard, does he? No. no the heavyweight division right now, I think, is... is Everybody he fought, he knocked out, apart from the Gypsy King. True. And he had two opportunities to knock me out. He had me down twice. And he had over two minutes in both rounds to finish me. And it was like Mortal Kombat, finish him! <laughs> and he was trying his best and he just couldn't do it. So when you can't do it and you've had the opportunity twice, what would ever possess this idiot to think he's going to do it the third time? When he's already had two opportunities. Well, I'm not going to argue with either of you, to be honest. <laughs> uh, how, how good is the heavyweight division right now, do you think? Because I think it's in good health. The heavyweight division is on fire because the Gypsy King rules it. That's why. That's why I've got the biggest personality, the tallest, the best looking, the best singer, the best talker, the best everything that every, every week can ever, ever have. And I'm on the biggest stage in the world in Las Vegas on ESPN, Fox and BT, PPB. So there you go. Does it get any bigger than that? I don't think so. Uh, and, will, and will you be the best dressed as well? Because you, you, you're normally quite sharp with your suits. Yeah, I'm just going to mellow it down. A few track suits. Keeping it real. I just want to ask you about, um, I know you're not looking beyond this fight, Tyson. We all understand that. Wilder himself has been talking about uh, Anthony Joshua. He called him a coward. Do you think that's a little bit harsh? I've just said it. Uh, he had his opportunity to fight the Gypsy King. He had his opportunity to fight Deontay Wilder. But he didn't want to fight us. He opted to fight Andy Ruiz Jr. And then got knocked out in the bargain. So, you know, he can sit back in his armchair while this fight's happening in 10 days and think, you know what, that could have been me. But it wasn't because I never had the minerals to step up, but there you go. What, what sort of shape Things are you in? in the future. What sort of shape are you in, Tyson? What, what weight are you going to come in at? I'm in pretty good nick, to be fair. I've, uh, I've been training pretty hard for a pretty long time, and I'm pretty feeling darn good. And the weight's going to be quite high. I'm going to be close to 19 stone. And, you know, we're going to go for an explosive KO. Um, and you said early on, is, it, is there a round you want to give us? Yeah, I'm going to go for round two. I've been saying round two all camp, and I'm going to stick by round two. I don't know why, I don't know when, but round two is going to be. And the Vegas crowds, do you think they'll be uh, more in touch with you than with Wilder? It's all pro Tyson Fury over here. Um, you know, when I when I walk down the street in Vegas, I get swamped. Um, 
People love the Gypsy King out here. Las Vegas loves the Gypsy King. Deontay Wilder comes here and he gets pasties and eggs thrown at him. You know, it's, uh, it's not a fan-friendly crowd for Deontay Wilder. Uh, I'm not sure why, because he's on country, but I've got a little soft spot for the Gypsy King right here in Las Vegas. He's also said that your fists are like pillows. I, I, I wouldn't like to experience them, but uh, are you, you going to show him differently? No, I'm going to make make sure the extra duck down feather goose pillows, just for him. And you know what happens when you're on a duck down feather goose pillow, don't you? You go to sleep nice and easy. <laughs> Tyson, you're you're super confident all the time. Do you ever get slightly nervous? No. You know, I know my ability. I know I've trained hard. I know I've sacrificed everything. What the hell have I got to be nervous about? A man with a pair of boxing gloves on. I've done this since coming out of the womb I've been fighting. I've been born and bred to fight. You know, I don't care about any man with a pair of boxing gloves on coming at me throwing a one-two and a jab. Please, I've seen it all before about a bazillion times. You know, Deontay Wilder, he's not a scary-looking fella. I've seen plenty of scary men in my life, and Deontay Wilder ain't one of them. And, um, you know, he is what he is. He's a, he's a sportsman, and he's a good boxer, and he's a good what he does obviously he's undefeated world heavyweight champion I'm not going to run him down that's for sure um, I think he's what, he's probably the hardest punch in heavyweight in history so his record suggests um, and he's made 10 defences of his WBC title which equals Muhammad Ali's record so you know we're not messing with some potato slouch here who, who's had one defence of his belt or whatever who just won it on a fluke we're talking about one of the longest reigning champions in American history so when I beat him in 10 days' time, it puts me right up on top of them all, you know, as the baddest man on the planet of my era, for sure. Um, just had a tweet. Well, loads of people obviously listening to this, and they know the fight's going to be live and exclusive on TalkSport, Tyson. Darren McCarthy has just tweeted us, listening to it. He says, please make sure Tyson knows he is the people's champ and we'll all be cheering him on as he knocks out the bronze bomber. Get up there, my boy! <laughs> You know what? The uh, support, the support from the uh, from the fans on on the return on the comeback has been absolutely astronomical. Um, I never ever thought that I'd be a fan favourite. I was always the outlaw. I was always the pantomime villain. I was always there to get uh, things thrown at me and all that. But the last two years, the two and a half years, the love I've been shown is absolutely ridiculous, and I'm so happy and I so uh, love every fan that supports me. You know, and I think the journey with the mental health thing is really. Um, let people in to know me personally. And speaking on a personal note, I have uh, my new ITV documentary series out tonight. So this is Fury the Gypsy King at nine o'clock. So uh, tune into that and have a look at it, see what you think. Tyson Fury there, speaking to Adrian Dunham on Drive This Week on TalkSport. A little earlier on, you heard from Deontay Wilder. If you missed any part of it, you'll be able to get this on our uh, Fight Night podcast, available on iTunes and on the TalkSport website. I'm Adam Catterall, Spencer Oliver alongside me. You expect nothing less, really, from Tyson. Jovial, upbeat, cracking the jokes, ready to rock and roll. When does the Gypsy King take over from the personality that is Tyson Fury? Well, I think I think that's what happens on the ring walk, if I'm honest. Tyson Fury is <laughs> one of those unpredictable characters. It just it, nerves don't ever seem to creep in at all. You know, he doesn't change right up to. Until we see him weigh in, he's yeah. the same character. You see him on a ring walk, he's relaxed, he's clowning around, he's speaking to the crowd. He does things different, Adam, to any other fighter. Mm. You know, when a fighter, like, I remember doing ring walks and, and stuff. So when you when you actually come out into the arena, bang, the spotlights go on you, 
then the realism kicks in. And then you get serious, focused, bang, done. But Tyson Fury doesn't do that. Mm. Tyson Fury goes in there. That's why I always say Tyson Fury doesn't know what he's going to do in a bout until it happens. Mm. He's one of those guys. He doesn't really plan things out. He goes in there and he just feels his way through it. He's multi-talented and he's got the ability to do that. But yeah, Tyson Fury, like what you see is what you get with him. Mm. You know, and he's not a case of nerves. That doesn't exist in his vocabulary. That doesn't exist in the dictionary for him. You know, nerves is not part of his makeup. Do you, do you see similar characteristics in both of these guys? Deontay Wilder's obviously got that alter ego as well in the bronze bomber and what have you. He seems a little bit different during fight week. He seems to get serious, more serious as it gets closer to the fight. But again, nerves. I've, n- I've never really seen him in in, the, in that mould. No, but he is slightly different, um, as you said, to Tyson Fury. He's, he's one of the similar thing. He's great. He can sell a fight. He's brash. He talks well. He's very articulate. Yeah. But on the ring walk, you see him, bang. He's business. focused. It's business. You know, he wants to get to it. They're different characters on the ring wall. Tyson Fury's still clowning around, speaking to people in the crowd. He's one of a kind, man. And that's what makes him as popular as he is. You know, the, the public love him. He's a people's champion. Mm. The way that, you know, the journey that he's been on, where he come from, where he's got to, you know, the way that he's been with the public, the whole mental health thing, everything about the guy, you just got to love him for what he's done. You know, he's been brilliant for boxing. And Deontay Wilder's the same. He, you know, he's marketable. He sells a fight. He's a big character. He comes in with a mark. Ask on is excellent, but on the ring walk he's serious, and that's the difference between the two. Out of the two, which one would you personally prefer to be on on ring walk? Are you the one that dresses up as uh, Uncle Sam Apollo Creed, <laughs> you, or would you go with the big mask? <laughs> I think I'd rather go with the big mask than come in as Apollo Creed, if I'm honest. But that's again Tyson Fury. I mean, what's he going to wear this ring walk? No we idea. really don't know. We know what Deontay Wilder's coming into. We know yeah. what he's like. You know, we know what he's going to do. That's what I'm saying. The unpredictability of Tyson Fury is what makes him so fascinating that no one really knows. <laughs> Sombreros, Apollo Creed. God knows what it is this time, actually. Yeah, yeah is, is there any, any... What if he came in as, as Deontay Wilder? What if he came in with the mask don't, on? Don't pull it past him. <laughs> don't not pull it past him. You know, he. It, what Tyson Fury is great at doing is getting inside fighters' heads. Yes. And that's what he's great at. He beats fighters before they get in the ring. A little bit like Mike Tyson did back in the day when Tyson was in his prime. Tyson beat him through the fear. You know, when he clicked his neck and he stood there and he just, you know, he just rolled his neck and stared into his opponent's eyes. You know, that that invincibility. People just, they were scared when they got hit by T- Mike Tyson. They felt that they should have been hurt and they got knocked out. Yeah. You know, and, and Fury's got that same, same mentality. People just look at him and think, this guy's nuts. I mean, I know I would. If I was fighting him, I'd be looking at him thinking... What am I going to do against this guy? Because he is absolutely crazy. Now, that's a bad problem to have because if you're thinking about the other guy, then you're half beat. Mm. Uh, we're going to talk tactics in a moment or two with Spencer. Make sure you stick around for that. Don't forget, we've got guests coming up a little bit later on in the show. Josh Kelly, Liam Smith. Fingers crossed we'll get older Kel Brook as well. We'll get them all on the show uh, to talk about their own personal careers as well. But at the back end of the show as well, we'll be crossing over to America to speak to Gareth Day Davis as we build up towards Wilder Fury 2, which is live and exclusive on Talk Sport next week. <laughs> Spencer Oliver joined me in the studio on Saturday night for a little bit of a chinwag about this particular fight as we build up towards heavyweight week. And here's his thoughts on how he thinks the fight might break down. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Spencer Oliver uh, alongside me. Time to get to the technicals, I think. Because we've heard from both men. They can talk as much as they wish to talk. We know about the changes in Tyson Fury's camp. We know what Deontay Wilder is going to be looking to do. Firstly, from Tyson Fury's point of view. You're coming off the back of what would be classed as a controversial draw. 
Do you approach this fight any different than how you approached the first fight? Yeah, definitely. I think with this fight, I think what he needs to do is he needs to stay switched on. And that's the, that's the bottom line of it for 12 rounds, not for nine rounds, not for 11 rounds. Tyson Fury, is, it's, this is quite a simple one. Mm. Tyson Fury, to win this fight, technically, he's... Is 10 times what Deontay Wilder is. What Fury needs to do is he needs to use those boxing skills, use that height, use that reach, throw the shot straight, and just keep at range. You know, move around the perimeter of the ring, popping the jab, popping the jab, <coughs> not allowing Deontay Wilder to set at any point. Mm. But he needs to stay switched on for three minutes of each round. The big problem Tyson Fury's got is he switches off. Mm. And he can't afford to switch off. If he switches off for a split second, because that's all it will take for yeah. Deontay Wilder to throw that right out and, and if he throws it and lands it in the right shot, you're not getting up. You know, we've seen that. We saw it against Ortiz. Ortiz yeah. was dancing rings around um, Deontay Wilder. In fact, he got embarrassing at points after seven rounds. And then, boom, right hand out of nowhere. That was over. We, we have seen it a few times, like you've just said, in Tyson Fury's career. Cunningham, for one, where he just switches off and he ends up on his backside a little bit. In the first fight, do you put it down to conditioning? that it was maybe a little bit too quick for a full 12-round elite-level fight for him, that maybe when he got to eight and nine, the gas tank was just dipping a little bit and he wasn't as nimble as he was for the start of the fight. This, yeah, time, this time around, he's a, he's a totally different condition guy, isn't he? 100%. That's why I started him a massive favourite. You know, like I said, he had two low-key fights before the Don Deontay Wilder fight last time out. And they were low-key fights. And he mm. didn't look good. And he was still carrying weight. He got his weight down and you thought, whoa, he's dropped too much weight. This is too much for him. This is too soon. And he had a master plan, and it was brilliant. He was boxing at long range, but he switched off in the ninth round, and you just start, saw him start coming undone. He was blowing a little bit, as was Deon, um, as was um, Deontay Wilder. He started blowing as well. Um, yeah, and he and. And it may have just been a little too soon. That's why I don't think it'll happen this second time around. Mm. I think he knows. He'll respect what Wilder brings to the table. And that's punch power. Yeah. He will respect that. He'll stay switched on. Forget the Otto Wallin fight last time out. He was boxing a lower caliber opponent. He thought he'd go out there. He was clowning around. Hands down. Third round. Picked up a cut. That I've, you know, is one of the worst cuts that I've seen in boxing, if I'm honest. Very fortunate he got through to the last round. Yeah. But that's what he'd done. He switched off. And he knows that that's his only weakness, Tyson. Fury is switching off. When he switched off against Cunningham, he'd done the same thing. He switched off and the right hand landed. He was he found himself on his seat of his pants. Mm. He can't afford to do that with Deontay Wilder because it's not about getting knocked down. It's about getting knocked out with Wilder. Yeah. I think if you look through the history of heavyweight boxing, Wilder, single punch power, mm. could be right up there with the very best. He probably hits harder than any heavy, heavyweight that's been around. You can't afford to mess around with that. Mm. If he sticks to the game plan, like I think he will do, keeps his hands up, works off the jab, throws everything straight, beautiful combinations, I think he'll win a landslide victory. I really do. Okay, then, with that in mind, what about Wilder? Because um, we saw that Ortiz fight. He did get outboxed. He lost every single round. But as he said in the press conference pre and after, I only need to be perfect for two seconds. Does he use that similar tactic with Tyson Fury? Because that could be dangerous, that he could end up chasing the fight down the stretch. Yeah, 100%. I think he knows that as well, though. I think that he'll go out there just thinking, I need to land one shot, which he does effectively. Yeah. Because he lands one shot and he catches him early. Fury won't recover. Listen, he got caught in the ninth round. The bell went. He come out. He got through the tenth. By that time, Deontay Wilder's gassing. He's loading up with his shots. Any fight that loads up the way that he loads up will gas in the second half of the fight. That's facts. 
they'll you know they'll slowly yeah. slow down. In the twelfth round, when he knocked Tyson Fury down, he was looking at Tyson Fury. He was looking at him on the count. He's clowning around to the to the crowd. He thought he had the fight won. To his amazement, Fury was up on his feet, and you saw the facial expression change. He thought. What have I got to do to beat this guy? But he had nothing in the tank. Yeah. He couldn't finish it, and Fury finished strong. Tyson Fury's just got to be careful he doesn't get caught early on in the fight, because if that happens, it, it could it could spell disaster mm. for Fury. You know, that's why I think Fury, he'll know all this. You know, he would have gone over all this, and, and they'll, they'll come out with a game plan, and he's just got to stick to that. But, yeah, you're right, Deontay Wilder, all he's got to do is land that one shot, and he'll be looking for it. Where he's effective, Deontay Wilder, is that he stalks forward, but when he throws the shot, before he throws it, shot, he goes explosive. He shoots it forward. You know, he, he moves yeah. at a really fast speed <laughs> and lands a shot, and I think that's where the power comes from as well. And if he does that while Fury's clowning around with his hands down by his sides then, you know, that could spell disaster. But, I don't think it will happen. I mean, a lot of people that we've spoken to will say that the, the opening of this fight is going to be quite cagey, a bit of stalking. Do you think Wilder's got to start maybe a little bit quicker? I think Wilder will start quick. Right. That's the thing. I think that Wilder might go out there hoping to get that him. Tyson Fury's going to come out there clowning around for a couple of rounds. And, he, and and Wilder will know that he's got to land a shot early. Because if he does that, you know, the first six, first six rounds are going to be the most dangerous for Tyson Fury. And then they're, they're down the back stretch, Fury will get into his boxing river. Mm. He'll have found his range and, and, he, and he could box to a landslide victory. But that's what could happen there. You know, that Wilder could come out of the blocks really fast try and go for it early he might take that gamble <laughs> see what I mean and listen, the caveats are all over the place aren't they we don't know this is the beautiful thing about it because we saw that first fight the first fight was was captivating from start to finish because we knew at some point the condition of Tyson Fury would start to drop and then could Wilder get him mm. And obviously he did get him, but Fury ended up getting up. Where does it pick up? Does it pick up at the same pace that it finished the last fight? Does it start cagey? Does it go in the middle rounds? It, like you say, it's one shot. One shot will change this whole fight. Absolutely. And I think what we've not touched on yet, and which we need to touch on too, so we had we had a fight there that Tyson Fury, for me, won the fight. Although he got knocked down in the last round, I thought he was well, be, well in front before that. Mm. The knockdown sealed the draw. But look, look where the fighters were then and where they are now. Tyson Fury's a different guy now. Is Deontay Wilder? He may have improved slightly. Yeah. He may have looked better in his last couple. Dominic, uh, Dominic Brazil, he looked yeah. good. He, he threw the beautiful right hand, but Brazil was not really a great opponent um, against Ortiz. He was getting his head boxed off, landed the shot, but he looked terrible in that fight against Ortiz. Tyson Fury has improved and improved a lot. And that might be the that, that might might be the, the the difference in this fight that Fury might just go out there and mm. box beautifully for twelve rounds. That's what we need to do. And by the way, Tyson Fury can hurt Deontay Wilder. We saw that as well. Mm. He did hurt him a couple of times last time. So listen, it's exciting. You're asking me. I just really don't know. What what do you make of Ben Davison not being there? Well, he's still. I, I think they're still friends, which yeah, is a great yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great thing. And look, I think. As far as Tyson Fury is concern, um, concerned, I don't think he's going to make a massive difference. If you ask me that about any other fighter splitting up, you know, before the biggest fight of their career mm. with their with their trainer, I would say that's a big problem. That's you know, the, the changes won't he won't have enough time. Tyson Fury does what he does. Like I said, he doesn't really know before that first bell goes. I don't think he really has got the fight plan. I think he just goes out there and does whatever yeah. he does. But 
Ben I, Davison I, bought him from, from a really dark place yeah. and got him to an amazing place. And I heard John Fury on the telly on Thursday. I heard him on, on morning TV on Thursday. And he was talking about Ben Davison doing a great job. But actually, he's taken him as far as he can go. And where Tyson Fury is right now to beat... Deontay Wilder, he needs to go to hell and back and he needs to find the right trainer to take him there. He didn't believe that he, Ben Davison could take him there. So they've got their reasons for it. Yeah. And Ben Davison is still part of the team. He's still, he's not involved in the training side of things, but he's still very close to Tyson Fury, very close to the team. So I don't think it's going to be a big problem. No. I think that it, it might work in Fury's favour because he feels like he needed a change and, and psychologically that will benefit him. So that can only be good. Yeah. When I first heard it, I was worried. But then I thought back to off the back of the Klitschko fight. If we remember, when he beat Klitschko, that was his Uncle Peter. His Uncle Peter was his coach yep. there. And he changed that up. And obviously, he came back with Ben. I remember feeling very, very similar there, going, oh, he can't do it without Uncle Peter. Well, he's proven that he can do it without Uncle mm. Peter. And I wouldn't not be surprised, again, if he can do it without Ben Davidson, you know, and taking it and, and taking Sugar Hill Stewart to, the, to that next level. There's a reason why he's gone there, obviously, because of his history with Emmanuel Stewart from back in the day. Um, and there's a reason why he's gone with that particular gym because he feels like he just needs a, yeah. t- a tool sharpening maybe to uh, to go into this particular fight. Like I said, it's a, it's a psychological thing that he will for himself he'll feel he'll feel comfortable with that. Sugar Hill Stewart is a guy that he knew mm-hmm. and a guy that can implement different things into Tyson Fury, work on different pla- game plans, and maybe take him to a place that Ben Davison didn't. You know, Ben Davison and Tyson Fury are very very close, maybe too close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you understand? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, when, if I'm... You can get I'm, away with you a little bit more maybe with your mate. That's exactly yeah, yeah. what I'm trying to say. You know, if, if you're if you're in class with a teacher, you ain't getting away with stuff. If you're yeah. in class with your mate, you're messing around. What I'm saying is there might have been a little bit of that with Tyson and Ben. And, and Tyson may have felt, right, I need to be more stringent in my actions here. I need to do things slightly differently. Ben Davison's a great trainer, by the way. You yes. know, he's, he's proven himself. Great bread, yeah. He's, he's proven himself to have... He's a great tactician and, 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 and he's proven himself to be a great trainer. Mm. But I think that in this case scenario, Tyson Fury's felt that... And, and his family have obviously... I heard John talking about it on Thursday. They've obviously talked about this and said, this is what we need to do. Who's the man for the job? And it's Sugar Hill's the man. Uh, we're going to revisit this super fight, which we've got live and exclusive on TalkSport a little later on in the show. As Gareth A. Davis has been with Deontay Wilder this week, so you're going to hear from Deontay, you're going to hear from his trainer as well, so make sure you stick around uh, from that for, for the end of the programme. Coming up next, though, uh, we're going to hear from uh, a couple of guys that we hope to see fighting each other in the ring sometime soon at Super Welterweight. Next. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One of our other guests on Saturday night was Liam Smith. He is absolutely salivating at the chance of fighting Kelbrook in a world title eliminator showdown right here as a battle of Britain. This is what he had to say. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Spencer Oliver alongside me. Last weekend, as we've just been speaking about, obviously Kel Brook uh, was back after uh, 14 months out. Mark DeLuca was the geezer that he uh, he took on. The tough Marine lasted seven rounds. He had him down nice and early um, and then picked his shots quite well, I think, after that particular moment and then ended it with a, quite a brutal uh, knockout against Mark DeLuca. One man was in attendance. This is what I like about fighters and, and, and I'm sure you agree with this, Spencer. Right? If you want to make a fight, don't just do it from the comfort of your armchair at home. Get off your backside. Get ringside. Get on the big screen in front of uh, somebody else's home fans. You know what I mean? Get a few boos, get a few jeers and all that type of stuff. Get on there, get a bit gobby and go make a fight. That's what we do, don't Adam, we? Adam, that's how you make a fight. You, you don't make, make it from your front room, mate. That's You've got it. to turn up there. You've got to get in their face. You've got to be a bit nasty. That's it. One man who likes to get nasty is Beefy and he's on the show right now. How are you, mate? You good? I'm good, mate. Yourself, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing away, but it's true, right? We're living in this crazy world where politics and business and TV companies and all these types of things seem to get in the way of us getting some of the greatest fights that we that we want to see. Two former world champions at 154 pounds. We want to see it happen. So fair play, to you mate. Get off your bum. Get on the old motorway. Get down to Sheffield. Get in front of his fans and start to and start to create that hype. That's how fights like this get made, Liam. It is, yeah, it is, and and I've made it no secret in the past. Uh, you know, I, I call. I was with Frank Warden and was world champion, and I called for the fight then. Um, and back then, it was down to respect to him that he's a big name, and and I've always looked at it like, you know, him chasing Khan is like me chasing him. Um, obviously, I'm not going to chase him for that long. I'm not that desperate. You know what I mean? That that seems to have gone on too long, and it's quite boring now. But um, you know, there's, there's talk of the fight happening now, and. It got mentioned to me, so I thought, well, if it's getting talked about and it's getting thought about, then I'll turn up and I'll kind of drum some interest in happening. And, you know, I think it was the right decision to do because mm-hmm. my phone blew up after it. <laughs> you know, interviews, um, you know, radio stations, social media is, I'm seeing a lot of Smith Brook. And, you know, I'm sure Eddie's looking at it thinking, wow, I didn't, I didn't realise this many people would want to see that fight. And mm. uh, I think it is a realistic fight now. But, you know, I'm hearing today that Kelbrook on Sky yesterday didn't sound too too interested, which I haven't seen myself. Well, for, for me, right, this division, super welterweight, on a world level, 
is wide open. Everybody seems to be beating everybody. It's like a hot potato then World Championships. Every two minutes you look at it and someone else has got a new belt. Jason Rosario, obviously, recently. You're a former world champion in this weight category. He's a former world championship at welterweight. He's talking about wanting to be a world champion at this particular weight. Why wait? Right now is the hottest time. So let's, you two, have a go. Eliminator. Winner surely gets the next shot. He's also talking about wanting those big fights and he knows the big fights are with fellow fellow Brits. Absolutely. And so, you know, he... He knows this. He's been chasing the calm fight. The calm fight's never happened. So he's moved up in weight. And and the, the right guy for the job is Liam Smith. That is a massive all-British fight. A, a fight that the fight fans would want to see. And I don't think that Kelbrook... Or, or sorry, I believe that Kelbrook knows that realistically... He has to fight Liam Smith before he's got any opportunity of going on fighting for world titles or whatever. Mm. And so it's, it's an obvious fight. It's a fight that I think that... I think it's a fight that will happen. I really, mm. I really do. I think the public are sort of excited about it, and I think it's a fight that both guys obviously mm. want, and I believe it will happen. Well, from from your point of view, Liam, obviously you don't want to wait around. You can you can see the potential of that fight being the stepping stone to a world title shot, and I'm sure Kel can see the exact same thing. You've both got the same ambitions. It just makes logical business sense. You're with the same promoter for crying out loud. It does, and it, and it should. I've done an interview yesterday. I said if it doesn't happen in the next five months, it won't happen because. You know, it was all, you know, people, it's hot at the minute. and People are saying Smith, Blue Smith, Blue, Kel saying he wants to be a two-weight world champion. But then I'm hearing his interview yesterday, he said he wants Mikey Garcia or Danny Garcia. Now, you're saying you want to, to, to be a two-weight world champion and you yeah. want to be at 154. But you've kind of said you want big fights with two 147 fighters there that you've mentioned. And that was only yesterday. I'm yet to watch the interview, but it's just what I've been told today. So... I'm just thinking you can only kid the public for so long and at 154 that's a big fight and I know realistically I'm not getting a world title fight within the next six months and I, I also know Cal is not but a so statement victory a statement victory against a former world champion Liam gets you in that shot window doesn't it straight away people go oh hang on a minute yeah okay look it does cause I, I, and to be brutally honest with you, yeah, I'm the next mandatory for the WBO title yeah. as in I'm number two Texas the champion is fighting number one next so Basically, we know how it works. I only have to tick over and I don't lose my spot. So, But I don't want to do that because, you know, honest to God, if I walk in the cafe or if I walk in a restaurant and I say, I'm fighting Cal Bruce, people go, wow, that's a great fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I say I'm fighting Tex either, people yeah. lose that. And I go, oh, he's the world champion. They yeah. don't know him. Me yeah. and Cal Bruce in Britain is a, is, a, is a massive fight. And I think it does good numbers. I think it sells well. And... I think it gels well for a great fight, so I don't know why it's not it's not happening. I don't know Sky won it. It's just whether Eddie and Kel won it because I'll sign for that fight tonight. I I I'll think, you know what, I want that fight badly. Yeah, and Liam, you mentioned there about him chasing two one four seven fighters in Garcia, and about he that that won't happen because he can't make one four seven. You saw how tight he looked actually on Saturday night. He looked quite drawn on Saturday yeah. night. That was at one five four. We've known that it's been a long ongoing problem for Kelbrook making 147. As soon as you jump up in weight, and you, you'll be able to back me up on this, Liam, when you jump up in weight, when you're so tight at the weight, you can never, ever get it back down. So 147 days for Kelbrook are over, and the obvious big fight for him at 154 is yourself, and the winner goes on, obviously, to box for a world title. But, you know, I think that that's... That, 
That's going to be his only opportunity to to get that world title shot. If he's talking about wanting to get a second world this title year. this year, especially, I'm talking about in yeah, yeah. the next few months. Yeah, yeah. You know, look, we yeah, know this. Yeah. We know Eddie has got some massive shows coming up. There's one in April. Mm-hmm. There's one in May. There's one in June. Yeah. These are all big shows. They're talking about box office shows coming up. You know that could possibly happen in the summer. That fight could happen in the summer. We know there's another big one out in December as well. So he will he will be tempted. He, he, if, the, if the right money's on the table for Kell Brook, he'll take that fight. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I know I got put out. I said he's got no heart. I, to be really honest, yeah, I never. That just got twisted a bit. I said it was the question was how would the fight with you and him go? And I and the answer was I think I, I would have too much for him. That was not saying he hasn't gotten on, you know. And it got twisted a little bit. But touching on what you say, I do think like I said the right deal's on the table. He's fucked. Kennedy Golovkin, you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, 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 and There's a narrative no, within no, itself, isn't it? You've been in with Canelo, he's been in with Golovkin. Come on, man, let's get it on. Yeah, and that, that was when we done the sparring. You know, it was, yeah. was... He used... I don't mean I'm like Canelo, but he used me for his yeah. fight with Golovkin, sorry. And I used him for my build-up for Canelo. And we had three sparring sessions. And unfortunately, I got cut on the third one. They were very good sessions. And yeah, I'm led to believe that you could have sold tickets for him, mate. I'm led to believe they were quite good. Yeah, that's what makes us both realise that we know regardless, no matter how them spars went, the styles gelled. Yeah. And the, the fight with little gloves on, in fight shape, with a bit of spite between us, it will be a great fight. What do you make of uh, the current uh, landscape at Super Welterweight? Because I mentioned right at the start of this, it's like a hot potato. Nobody wants to be champion for any length of time. They just keep swapping the belts between themselves. But I think it's great. I think it's yeah. exciting. There's no, there's no dominant champion who's just born and picking his opponent left, right and centre. And, um, you know, there's... The, the, I said there's probably ten, there's ten probably probably good good world level fighters who can all beat each other. If you look at that little circle, Head yeah. beat Tony Harrison, Tony yeah. Harrison then beat Charlo, Charlo yeah. beat Harrison in the rematch, Williams beat um, Head. So you got Rosario coming Carlo, in. Yeah. Rosario just come in the mix. Um, you know they're all it, it, it's good and exciting. They're all very very good fighters. You're saying the titles are, are chopping and changing because. The good semester, the good fifty-fifty matchups. You know what I mean? Yeah. The world-class fighters, you can all beat each other on on their given day. Mm. And I'm sure if there's a number of fighters just outside the world champions, if you offered them any one of them world champions, they would take it. And in past times, there's been that one champion who got avoided for a long time. I, I remember Eris Landy Lara yeah. was just avoided. You know, you could have offered many world world-class fighters him, and they just go no, awkward southpaw, not having it. <laughs> but now. You know, a lot of fighters will take the the, the four champions now, and um, it's exciting and it's very good to be in and around that mix. Mm. Uh, listen, before you clear off, is your brother getting Canelo or what? Uh, I know exactly the same as everyone. Here. <laughs> last night was a little bit more. I seen an interview with Tello last night saying they've agreed on their opponent. So I think Canelo. Obviously, we know how the book lies. Canelo yeah. says who he wants, and it's down to Golden Boy to go and get that fighter. Yeah, and I think. By the interview I seen yesterday, Canelo has finalised his opponent. Delahoy said they're not announcing it yet because that fighter will put an extra zero on the paycheck because, you know, Canelo wants them. So hopefully in the next few days we'll find out whether it's Callum. I hope so. If it's not Callum, you know, I hope it's Billy Joe because it's the, the other domestic fighter yeah. who we, we want to see in the mix with him. So fingers crossed it's Callum. If not, I hope it's Billy Joe. There you go, Spence. We're off to Vegas, mate. Yeah, we're off to Vegas, yeah. son. We can't wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Liam, thank you very much for your time, mate. Much appreciated. Thank, thank you. Thanks for that. I mean, nice one. Yeah, Top cheers, time, Liam, mate. Top stuff. You listen to Fight Night on Talk Sports. Stick with us. Plenty more to discuss.
This week, you will have seen that Josh Warrington has changed promoters. He is back with Eddie Hearn. Don McGuinness went along to have a chat with the pair of them. Hey, it's fight night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall, Spencer Oliver alongside me. This week, Josh Warrington announced that he's changing promoter. He's leaving Queensbury. He's moving to Matchroom. Don McGuinness went along to the big press release in Leeds to have a bit of a chat with him. Well, Josh, we know all about this this new realliance, if you like, with Eddie. And uh, it all came about kind of hush-hush, according to Eddie. It was all last minute, really. Yeah, that happened very, very quickly. Um, I think Eddie had found out that I was out of contract. Um, and... Next minute, office road to Steve. Next minute, you know, is Josh interested in this? And is I've made no, um, I made no secret that I want to go to the states. And initially, I think that's how he reeled me in. You know, I've got the the connections in the states. I'm doing a lot of shows in the states, and I thought, wow, you know, I'd love to be, I'd love to be part of that. Like I say, I want to be part of them big shows and whatnot. Um, and it just went from there and all of a sudden here we are um, I take this opportunity to, to, to thank Frank Warren and, and, and Queensbury and, uh, and the BT team I had a fantastic few years with, with them guys um, you know, Frank delivered on everything he, he said he would do um, and, and we had some good memories and I remember them for, for the rest of, rest of my career and today as I die and um, you know, I wish Frank all the best in, in going forward but we've just got to look up what's best for myself and like I say there were a few opportunities what I just I couldn't really turn down and, and, and here we are just shows you you never burn your bridges in boxing do you yeah, because I mean, that, that's what's happened here really it's a small world yeah. isn't it it's a small world you, like I say you, you can't go around um, saying I'm not going to do this I'm not going to do that because you know Eddie and, and Frank are two, two of the biggest promoters in the world and, and they're, they're the ones who are getting the biggest opportunities and your career's only short I mean these guys are going to be carry on promoting long after I retire but uh, you've got to like get the best opportunities for yourself and that sounds a little bit selfish but you know ultimately it's us who's taking the punches to the head but you know Eddie's doing wonders right now with, 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 with the design and the sky so um, you know, like I say, you've got to grab these opportunities whilst they're around. I mean, when I turned pro, you know, the, the shows were in leisure centres. The shows were in leisure centres and you, there were fighters weren't really known. They were maybe known in their area. Now they're household names and, 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 and they've got sponsors like what are household names as well. So boxing is really booming and like I say, you're just going to be part of the, the big shows. Now... We expect then Headingley next. Mm-hmm. That's that's very much the favourite. Yeah. Headingley, the rugby stadium, nice, maybe twenty-five thousand there. Lovely, compact, nice and noisy for you. Yeah. If you could pick one of the champions, because it is about unification, is it Russell? Is it Stevenson? There's Santa Cruz in there as well. Um, yeah, there's Russell, there's, there's Stevenson, Santa Cruz. I mean, they all went my appetite. I mean, first, first. I'd, I'd love to fight Santa Cruz. You know, I went after him for a long time. He's still ranked. Uh, well, up until a few weeks back, he ranked like number one in the ring magazine. Now I'm ranked number one. I would like to fight him because the fight we had, he had with Carl Frampton. I remember getting out of the ring after Carl and thinking he never did that with Carl. You know, let me have the let me have the fight with the African. But I beat him. He's a very good fighter. Obviously, he's, he's, he's recognised worldwide. He's an household name over here. So I'd love that fight. But then you think of Kanju you know he throws like he's a million he's got WA regular hasn't yeah he? he's got but he also throws a million and then you think about what kind of fight that would be you know and, and he throws a million punches in a, in a fight 
Shakur Stevenson has got a massive entourage around him with uh, with Terence Crawford and, and, and Andre Ward. So you know the, you could imagine the build-up would be would be quite special. And obviously he's a former Olympian, so he's a good um, name. And then Gary Russell, he's got the green and gold, and I think he's been. He's been the WBC champ since 2015, so one of the longest reigning champions around. All whet my appetite, but I'd probably tip for Lil Santa Cruz or Gary Russell. You're very fortunate as well, and it's, it's all through your own work, don't get me wrong, but Eddie knows what you bring. It's not just the world title, you bring the fans. I mean, you could fight pretty much anyone in this room and probably sell out the Headingley Arena. Yeah. That, it's quite rare to get the package. Obviously, the Ricky Hatton thing is thrown at you a lot. You like the Leeds version of that, but yeah. I know you never take it for granted. Interesting to see, you won't even call them your fans, they're just people that come along and yeah. you're still yeah. delivering tickets a bit, aren't you? Yeah, I'm still doing my bits. I still do a few to my regulars. Um, I've had to cut them down a little bit, but I still do them. I, inspires me inspires me and you know, I hear stories I like listening to stories that lads what they did on the on the previous fight and not just lads the lasses as well you know and the fans don't just come from Leeds now they come from all over the place they come from it's like we've broadened out outside of Yorkshire we've got fans like coming down from Scotland coming over from Ireland and uh, I have to pinch myself for that because originally the goal when I was where they were to put Leeds on map now it's like to, to help the UK legacy of, 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 of British boxing you know um, this being this this is one of the best countries in the world for, for boxing you know they've got like unified uh, unified champions they're just you know the the turning them out you've got Callum Smith you've got Josh Taylor you've got Josh Warren I want to be amongst that you know so um, it, it's absolutely it's absolutely fantastic and and to have all them fans behind me now it just motivates me even more to, to be going over to the States and taking, not just like same and the Leeds fans, but everyone else. Anyone likes a party, really. Anyone likes a big occasion. You mentioned Leeds there. I've got to ask you, obviously. I mean, it's all gone a little bit wonky, hasn't it, in terms yeah, of the, the football. You're, you're intrinsically linked to your team, like Ricky was with City. Yeah, yeah. Are they going to go up? Is it all going to happen for Leeds this summer? You fighting, Leeds going up, the Euros. It's a nice little alliance with all of that, isn't it? It is. I thought, I thought that it was going to happen last year. You know, like this time last Christmas, last Christmas, I beat Carframpton, Leeds have beat Villa 3 2 after 2 0 down. Leeds were at top at Championship at Christmas, and on paper, everyone goes up. Everyone goes up, but then it all went downhill. A certain Wigan game springs to mind, and then after that, you know, we had the, the Derby. twice? Yeah, we had the, 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 the Derby scandal, and yeah, when all went Pete Tong, but we won't talk about that too much. Uh, but, you know, listen, we're here, we, we, we're still second, and. If we can pick up a bit of momentum going into the last ten games, that's what it's what, it's what about happens in May. You know, there's, teams could be strong now and they could, they could dip a bit. Um, we've just got to make sure that we peak at the right time. And it's, it's an hard old season, is the, is the championship. So if we start getting a bit, bit of momentum going into March, April, May, then that'll be the, that'll be the difference. Just unified champion, and Leeds promoted. Imagine the scenes in this city and Leeds fans around the world. Wow. There's some parties going on, won't there? It's a very, very final one. Wilder Fury, what happens? Uh, Fury wins. Fury wins. Um, I think he wins, he wins on points. I think he wins on points. I don't, it could even rock him. I don't think he'll knock him out, but I think he wins on points. Josh Warrington there, speaking to Don McGuinness earlier on this week. The man that signed him is Eddie Hearn. And he had something to say. Well, Eddie, another new signing. It's not really a new signing, is it? It's like a free transfer or something, yeah, yeah. something like that analogy. You've got Josh back, and you can see how happy you are about it. It's a big addition, isn't he, to your stable? He is. I mean, look, we had a, an amazing time with Josh in the early days. Um, Steve Wood 
has done an amazing job building them. You know, there was no Olympic medals. There was no GB podium squad. It was just a really good fighter who might win a British title. Won the English title, won the Commonwealth title, won the British title, won the European title. Um, we parted ways, probably a little bit of stubbornness on my part at the time. And I had to watch him go and win the world title at Ellen Road, full up. I had to watch him go and uh, beat Carl Frampton at Manchester Arena. And uh, I've missed not just Josh Warrington, but the fans, the city, and the passion behind them. And now we've got a chance to go from ticket-selling world champion to a distinctive legacy of one of the all-time great British fighters. And that comes by beating the other champions. And you know, you look at the division right now, Leo Santa Cruz, Kanzu, Gary Russell, Shakur Stevenson, they are the targets. He wants also a fight in America. He's got Kid Gallard had as the mandatory as well. There's all to play for, but the focus right now is for him to unify in Headingley, where we are sat, sat, uh, stood right now this summer. So it's Headingley Rugby Stadium. Yeah. About 21,500, I think. Yeah, maybe a few thousand with a pitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, that, I move away from Ellen Road, but it'd be nice, a little bit tighter. Yes. I can see the sense in it, and, mm. and obviously the sense with the supporters and the city. Mm. That's definitely going to be next, then. It's going to be Headingley, whoever it is, it's going to be, be Headingley. It'll be Headingley, or it could be Stateside as well. There's two boxes that he really wants to tick next. But you know, sooner or later, like I said, he's got the Kid Galahad fight, which will have to happen later this year as well. And it's about unifying the division. That's the absolute priority for Josh Warrington. How many fighters have headlined you know, two stadiums in their own city and filled them up? I mean, the only one other one I can think about is probably Anthony Joshua. But really, to do Ellen Road and then heading these, it's ticking all kinds of boxes. And now it gets super serious. You know, to fight a Shakur Stevenson or a Gary Russell, these are tough, tough fights. And he's up for it. You know, he feels like he's achieved everything else in his career. This is kind of the only things left now, is to unify and then go on and try and crack America. When did you know that you were going to get Josh Warrington back? Because just last week, I was in Sheffield, yeah. and you were talking about Kid Galahad, Josh Warrington. You were very much Kid's man then, or yeah, Barry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were Barry's man then. Now, now it's Shakur Stevenson. It's not Kid Galahad. Mm -hmm. When did it all kind of come together? Well, I always knew that, you know, only two fights ago, Josh Warrington boxed Kid Galahad. Close fight, right? But the plan for him for a long time has been to try and unify. So I always knew that that would be the priority. You know, now we get an opportunity to make sure that Josh Warrington and Kid Galahad does happen. But I know that Josh's priority is to try and unify the division. And, and to be honest with you, rightly so. This actually came around about two weeks ago. We had a press conference in Manchester for Quig against Carroll. And I just said to Steve Wood, listen, when's Warrington's contract up? He said, funny you should say that. It's up. And from there, it was like, I didn't tell anyone, Dom. In fact, I didn't tell Adam Smith from Sky. And when we announced, I forgot to tell him yesterday. And when we announced it, he went, Is this true, Eddie? Yes, Come on, it's true. This sounds like Honestly, Eddie it's true. Here. He said, I can't believe it. He said, but why didn't you tell me? I said, sorry, mate. It was completely under wraps. You know, I went to meet Josh and his dad and... You know, it was it was quite a surreal experience sitting down at the ballroom having a meeting with these people. A lot has changed. You know, we probably did our last fight with Josh, I don't know, three years ago. Like, things have changed. He's a different person now, probably. Family man now, he's got kids. You know, I'm a little bit older and larger and probably a little bit, you know, um, longer in the tooth. So, you just, you're changing. It's quite unusual. It's very usual for a fighter to move promotional companies, but very unusual for them to move and then come back again. But I feel like we've got him in the absolute prime of his career, right now on the verge of the mega fights.
and it's very rare for a fighter to have the full package, if you like, in terms of world title yeah. and that mega yeah. fan base. He's yeah. a kind of a new Ricky Hatton of sorts, it isn't is. he? But to have everything in one, yeah. it's very hard to get the ticket seller and the world title. It is. And I think when we were coming through, I was always saying to you, this is the next Ricky Hatton, and that's really what he has become. But like you say, there's one thing being a ticket seller, there's another thing being a ticket seller world champion and number one in your division as well. So that's really what we're acquiring now through Matchroom is not just getting Josh Warrington back, we're getting one of the best fighters in the world back to our stadium and someone that can fill stadiums, fill arenas, you know, do all this kind of stuff. So you're going to see a special atmosphere stateside or the UK and I'm really excited about the next one. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe because we've got a podcast a day coming to you next week. Fight Night on TalkSport, available on iTunes and the TalkSport website. And don't forget to tune in next Saturday, the 22nd from 10 o'clock, as Spencer and Jake bring you in a special three-hour programme building you up towards the big fight, which gets underway from 1 o'clock in the morning on TalkSport, live from Las Vegas. Plenty of programming throughout the week on the station as well. We'll catch you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.